hope you'll pray for us this morning during the time that we stand before you, and uh, <clears throat> and that uh, that we might grow in, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. We've been uh, we've been looking for a number of weeks, and I have kind of labeled, I guess, the uh, the the heart of where I've started at on this, uh, talking about some things. Uh, a portion of scripture that we find in Romans chapter 5 where it's talking about and now we have received the atonement uh, but particularly talking about what Christ has done uh, on the, what he accomplished on the cross and that he actually uh, purchased us by his death uh, and that uh, uh, that he paid the price that was required uh, the Bible tells us over in, uh, in Peter that uh, we weren't bought with uh, with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That was the price of our redemption. Uh, and uh, and the, the price was set by the one uh, to whom it was due. Uh, we can look at that a lot of times and think about uh, people that are selling various things. You know, the, you, can go, you might be able to go in some cases and negotiate uh, with the person that's, uh, that's uh, the... Uh, the possessor of something, and then we think about redemption, not only, you know, the exact thing would be something has been lost, now it needs to be bought back, but the fellow that holds it is the one that determines the price uh, that's required. And so our Lord, the, the, the requirement, his requirement was the blood of a lamb, and not only a lamb, but a spotless, pure lamb, uh, and the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. So which was our lamb. So uh, as we come here this morning, we looked at some things. Uh, and, and again, I'll not t- take the time to try to rehash all those things. Go back and listen to them. Uh, Brother Adam does a pretty good job of keeping things up to date on the, on the web page. And so you can go and listen to uh, some, of the, some of the previous messages. Uh, but I, I wanted to, what I've tried to do is, is move from those thoughts there in, uh, in Romans chapter 5 where it talks about atonement. Uh, think about what a, atonement is. Uh, we've talked about the fact that the the high priest used to go in once a year into the Holy of Holies. And as he did, he, he didn't go without blood uh, because blood was what was required for the payment even as he was going and making the sacrifice. But that high priest went in there once a year representing a particular group of people, the children of Israel. Uh, first of all, he had to pay, he had to offer a, an atonement for his own sins because he was a sinner, <clears throat> but uh, after he had atoned for his sins, then he atoned for the sins of the people of Israel. So he went in there representing a particular group of people. Those people were represented by the 12 tribes laid out six and six on the six stones on each shoulder and the 12 stones that were on his breastplate of righteousness. He went in there not for himself but for the for those people. But he didn't go in there representing the, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, all these other people that lived, the Canaanites or others that lived in there. He went in there representing the children of Israel. And so I think in that we have a great type of the fact that Jesus Christ, when he came into this world and when he died upon the cross, he went in representing and uh, making an atoning sacrifice for those that God had given to him to represent. Uh, And in typology, he went in there representing Israel (laughs) Uh, because we are also Israel. Uh, we've been grafted in by the by the blood of Jesus Christ, adopted into His family, and so 
but we too are Israel uh, as he went in there. So, so the type of the Old Testament and the actual reality of the New Testament example of Jesus Christ uh, show one in, one in the same picture laid out for us. So uh, as, we've, as we've talked about that, where, I, where I've tried to go is I want to go to a place in the book of Hebrews. Uh, but in order to get to that place in Hebrews, I started uh, last week, I guess it was, going. it started with about the third, second, end of the second, beginning of the third chapter of the book of Hebrews, uh, and began to talk about how uh, the the writer, which uh, you know, this is one of those things where uh, I, I probably say this every time I almost I go to the book of Hebrews. But uh, no no doubt in my mind, there's many reasons why I believe this was the Apostle Paul writing this portion of Scripture. And uh, he, even though he doesn't label it or, or sign his name to it like he did with so many other letters, again, I think there's a particular reason for that, you know. And I think we can reason that out if we think about how Paul had persecuted the Jewish brethren, had brought them back to Jerusalem to be uh, to, with letters to be put to death. Now this apostle to the Gentiles, and he said this over and over and over again throughout his letters to the various churches, while he, while God had a Appointed him to be a uh, an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul had a great heart for his own Jewish brethren. He said that in Romans. He says that in Ephesians. He says that in other places. Even though he uh, uh, God had appointed him directly to carry the message to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish nations of that of that area, Paul still had a love for his Jewish brethren and had a desire to see them to come and uh, come and uh, worship this same Messiah that he had come to worship and to see as being the Christ, the one that had been prophesied to come. Okay, so here in Hebrews chapter, chapter, uh, <clears throat> chapters 1 and 2, uh, the, the writer lays out a great message uh, saying, uh, you know, God who spoke to his people in, in past times by the prophets, and I know I'm going to, ver, uh, to verse 1, but uh, God who at sundry times and in divers' manners spake in time past to his fought for the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath the appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, uh, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Again, you know, sometimes we miss these little scriptures in there, uh, don't we? Uh, You know, where he says, he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down. Jesus Christ, my friends, uh, uh, while, uh, while he calls on us to be, uh, uh, to, to labor together with him while we're here in this world, Jesus Christ didn't meet, need me and you on that cross that day. He purged our sins by himself, and that's the reason he's able to sit down uh, on the right hand of the throne of God uh, because uh, he is now resting from all his labors. And I think that's a, a point that becomes a theme throughout this uh, portion of the book of Hebrews and one reason I wanted to turn back to it one thing one of the things that you uh, do not find in the Old Testament uh, temple worship service uh, you'll go in there inside the uh, the holy place uh, not the holy of holies but in outside of that where was the the table with the showbread uh, the uh, the uh, table where they uh, uh, burned the incense that was there inside the uh, the holy place uh, but what you don't find in that Old Testament temple was a chair 
for the priest to sit down. And the reason for that was because the priest was supposed to be working. Uh, he was working all day, every day. He was constantly making sacrifices. There were things for him to do, but there was not a place for him to sit down. But yet we see a picture in the New Testament scriptures uh, of, uh, of our great high priest, it says, has now sat down. Uh, why? Because he's resting from his labors. Uh, uh, and, uh, and these examples are laid out throughout the scriptures uh, uh, how there's a rest for God's people uh, in, and by entering into to the service of God. So, uh, give a little, give a little background. Last week we went through the third chapter of the book of Hebrews, uh, and here the Bible talks about and gave the example of. And I've said this, uh, I, I, maybe I've come to see this over the years, uh, but there's there are what I would call certain linchpin type events that took place back in the Old Testament that are constantly referred to again and again and again. And one of them was some, something we preached on here in times past, uh, but. But uh, uh, the pl- fact that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, uh, it was acknowledged that he was righteous. Righteousness was laid to his ca- account because he believed God. Uh, and it, you know, and. Uh, uh, again, you know, sometimes I feel like you explain some of this stuff, maybe overly explain it, but to, to explain again, uh, God, uh, Abraham's belief in God did not make him righteous. Okay, but his his uh, but his belief in God was an acknowledgement that he was righteous, uh, and I believe righteousness was laid to his account. You say, well, how does that work? Well, you know what? Sometimes I think me and you need to build up a storehouse of righteousness over here, so that it can be drawn from in times when we're not doing things that are quite so righteous. And uh, Abraham wasn't always walking in righteousness, uh, but it was laid to his account for righteousness because he believed God, and his belief, my friends, wasn't just something that he came down one day to the altar uh, and made the comment, uh, uh, well, I'm going to take up my cross and follow after Christ. Uh, No, Abraham believed God because he showed that he believed him by getting up and doing what God called upon him to do. He didn't do it just once. Uh, You know, by the way, and you can go back and look at this, the 15th chapter of the book of Genesis is where the Bible says he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. But you know what? Abraham had believed God even before that. Go back to the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis and you'll find there in Genesis chapter 12, that was where God first called Abram to get up and leave the land of Ur of Chaldees and by faith Abraham got up and went and followed after this uh, uh, where he had called him to go. Uh, My point being, uh, Abraham had faith and followed after God's word uh, long before uh, uh, it it says that he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, a lot of people will try to make that some uh, particular point uh, there in uh, in, uh, uh, Genesis chapter 15 of some being some point that suddenly he he came to faith and believed... uh, uh, believe God. Uh, I'm going to tell you he had faith long before that and got up and followed after God uh, long before that ever occurred. So uh, <clears throat> here also one of the other places that we will find that's constantly referred to in the scriptures uh, uh, the Old Testament tribe of Israel coming up out of Egypt's land and that's what's talked about here in Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, the children of Israel came up or were carried up by God. It talks about how Moses was faithful in all of his house. But it also talks about how Christ, uh, the one who built the house, uh, was faithful in all of his house. Do you know uh, the house represents his family? 
Moses was faithful in all of his house, all of his family, all of those that were of the house of Moses, if you want to say it that way. But Jesus Christ was faithful in his house. And his house represented all the family of God. And he was faithful to do what God called upon him to do. But it talks about a time when the children of Israel, who had been brought up by God, when God had parted the waters of the Red Sea, destroyed the greatest army on the face of the earth at that time, God brought the children of Israel out and you if you want to have some fun, I, you know, maybe my type way of having fun is different from your way of having fun. But if you want to have a little fun sometime, go back over there and read how God brought the children of Israel out of, uh, in Exodus, brought them out of Egypt. And they don't get out of, uh, out of the Egypt long. And Brother Adam loves to bring this point up from time to time. Suddenly they are moaning and complaining. And the Bible says murmuring against God, saying, oh, why have you brought us out here, Lord, into this wilderness to die? Would that we had, had died down in Egypt uh, where they had the melons and the flesh pots. I'm not sure what those flesh pots are, Brother Adam, but, uh, you know, whatever it was, they really liked that. Uh, and, it, and, and somehow it reminds me, uh, boy, this, whew, y'all... Don't nobody, nobody take offense. I'm just telling you what, I'm talking about the Word of God, okay? Uh, but you go back and look, you know, what was, uh, and, and we've been talking about this on Wednesday nights going through the book of Genesis, uh, uh, what was one of Isaac's problems? Isaac loved Esau because Esau fed his belly. Uh, uh, Esau, Esau kept him happy with meat uh, and went out and was always killing game and bringing it home to old daddy and uh, feeding him there. Well, listen to what's happening to the children of Israel. The children of Israel get out on the other side. Things get a little tough. You know what they go to thinking about? They go to thinking about their belly. They go to, oh, we, if we just had the melons and the flesh pots and all those th- all that good food. Lord, forget the fact that we were in slavery down there and they were beating us every other day to build, uh, build things from down there. We, we want to go back into that kind of slavery uh, uh, so that we can have something for our belly to eat. Uh, uh, I'll tell you, sometimes we let the flesh drive us to say things, do things, and think about things that are co- totally contrary to what God would have us to do. And so uh, that's just, uh, I toss that out there for free in the middle of all of this, uh, uh, that uh, we don't need to let the flesh drive us, uh, whatever it might be, uh, uh, so that we're not doing the things that we should do in the, in the service to God. But the children of Israel are, are carried across to the other side after they've wandered there in the wilderness for, uh, you know, I think some folks estimate about a year or something like that. God brings them up to the place where it's time to enter into Canaan's land. <clears throat> and they had sent the spies over, one out of each of the 12 tribes. Uh, ten, of the, ten of the spies come back and say, oh... There's giants over there. There's walled cities over there. Uh, there are the sons of Anak over there. Uh, we can't do this. Joshua and Caleb, two faithful men, out of the two out of two out of twelve. There's something about that that you ought to think about sometimes. You know, when we think about, we look at the great multitudes of people that are doing various things. There were two out of 12 that were faithful and really believed God there. And so sometimes when we're looking for the faithful, uh, you might not find the faithful always in the greatest numbers, but you might find the faithful in the two out of 12 uh, that went over there. And they they, they saw the same things. 
Uh, sometimes maybe even, even I've been guilty of kind of looking like, well, you know, that, that, no, they saw the same wall cities. They saw the same giants. They saw the same people that were living there. They saw all the same obstacles. But you know what they saw? In the stead of, instead of seeing something that was insurmountable, impossible to do, they saw something that God was well able to take care of. And, and I'll tell you, whatever, whatever sometimes walls and giants me and you are facing in our lives, sometimes if we could just buy an faith, uh, see that these are not uh, not problems that are too big for an almighty God. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm convinced, friends, I was I was telling my wife this morning on the way to church, uh, uh, as I look here sometimes at the at the little faithful few that I see gathered together here at Zion's Rest Church, and sometimes there's more of us, sometimes less, and uh, seemed like the crowd was real good last Sunday, you know, we had a good number of folks here and so forth. I'm convinced, my friends, that God is going to bless us again here at this place uh, and, 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 and you know why am I convinced of that because as I read God's word I see a God that things are not impossible for him for you and me it might be impossible uh, but it's not impossible for God to bless uh, it's not impossible for him to defeat the enemies uh, and raise us up and make things uh, uh, like you and I you know like hopefully he would want to see and like you and I would enjoy I know it would be a, an enjoyment for God's people but anyway Uh, So the children of Israel get up there. uh, uh, Joshua and Caleb come back and say, let's go over there right now. Let's get up. Let's go because God is able to defeat these enemies. But the children of Israel said no. And because they said no that day. I, I can't... You know, today sometimes I may have said this last Sunday, so if I'm repeating a little bit of that, uh, y'all just still look. Uh, but so in today's world that we live in, the religion's world that we live in, there will be people today that preach so many times, you need to, you know, confess, believe, and accept, and whatever else you need to do, because today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow it may be everlastingly too late. <clears throat> That's not what God's Word talks about. Because Christ... Uh, saved us from our sins on the cross. And, and, and so today, tomorrow, whatever. But there is a point about today is the day of salvation. Uh, the day that God called the children of Israel to get up and go across uh, the Jordan River and to go into Canaan's land was the day of the, that God would have delivered them and given them the land. <clears throat> and so they, they refused and they rebelled. And God said, okay, <clears throat> no big deal. I mean, you know, no big deal to God, right? No big deal to him. I mean, it was and it wasn't. I, you, you know, I'm kind of, you know, being Charles, uh, doing something. But, uh, you know, so, so uh, to him, he says, no, no problem. All you above age 19 and above are going to die. And you're going to spend the next 40 years out here wandering in the wilderness. And and the and the you know and I, I can say that based on reading the record, not necessarily that that's exactly what he said to him that day. He did say, "You're going to wander in the wilderness. That's going to be my punishment for you. That's my judgment because you didn't get up and you didn't go in today." Well, <laughs> this is how this is how we think, right? Oh, wait a minute. So so there's going to, oh you were you were serious about us going in today. 
You, God, oh, excuse me, God, you actually meant you wanted me to go in today. <laughs> well, we'll go in tomorrow. And they did. They got up and they, you know, you go back and read the accounts of what happened. They got up and crossed Jordan's River and went over there and they got kicked, okay? Uh, the tribes over there absolutely kicked them and they came back, you know, defeat. They came back defeated. If, if they had gone when God told them to go, God had promised them. I want you to think about what we've talked about here over the last number of weeks and months about how God promised Isaac a child. And, and he believed God. God, God. God promised Abraham a child. I'll get it right. God promised Abraham a child. And he believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And the Bible extols Abraham on and on and on throughout Scripture as a man of faith who believed God, who God blessed because he believed God. Okay? The children of Israel, on the other hand... Uh, did not believe God. God said, I'll drive them out. I'll drive them out with hornets. I'll drive them out any way I want to. Uh, but I will drive them out before you uh, gradually, and you will occupy that land. But you got to go over today. I think there's a lesson in that for us. When God is moving us to do things, He wants it done today. Tomorrow might, not, might be too late. Again, I want you to understand, I'm not talking about eternal things. I'm talking about the blessings of God right here and now in our lives. Tomorrow might be too late for us to enjoy the blessings that God has for us. So, he tells us here in Hebrews chapter 3. Y'all think I am just keep kidding about going into all this stuff. Uh, that, uh, he says... Uh, and I'll go in and read just a small portion of this, verse, beginning with verse verse. Uh, <clears throat> I'll just start with verse nine. When your fathers harden not your hearts, verse eight, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works forty years, they tempted me and they proved me. <laughs> you know. Uh, I, I, we got uh, we got young parents here, uh, and uh, uh, I know my grand I know my grandchildren. I know Brother Todd and Brother Brody and these children that are here and other children that you might know. But these children will have a time where mom and dad will tell them something, and uh, and they will try mom and dad uh, uh, to see if mom and dad really meant what they said. Uh, and so at that point, they, they are proving mom and dad. They are trying to find out, did mom and dad really mean what they said? <laughs> and the way they find out is if mom and dad follow through with exactly what they told them would happen if they disobeyed and they did such and such, then, then they prove them. What do they prove? They prove that mom and dad meant exactly what they said. Uh, I'll not go into any of my tales with my kids growing up and all that kind of thing. Uh, but to say that they proved me a time or two would be accurate. Uh, they tried me and they proved me. And what they generally found, generally, I'm fallible, okay. Uh, what they generally found out was dad meant what he said. And uh, so the children of Israel tempted God. And what they found out was God meant just exactly what he said.
I was I was blessed to be in a meeting up in Tennessee on on Friday, and uh, I'll not give you all the bore you know I would say boring exciting details of those things. I heard some really good preaching up there this weekend, uh, but Elder Doyle Hurst was there from up in Franklin, Tennessee, and. Brother, Brother Doyle has this thing he does sometimes when he's, uh, when he's uh, preaching, uh, and he'll read a scripture, you know, and he'll say, you want to know what that scripture means? And he'll read the scripture again, like he just read it. And he says, that's exactly what it means. And, uh, and I'll tell you, sometimes when, uh, when children and, and parents give instructions and God being our Heavenly Father gives us instructions and we tempt Him and we try Him and, uh, and say, uh, what did you mean by that? And he says, I meant exactly what I said. Uh, so they tempted Him and they tried Him and they proved Him and they ended up proving Him 40 years and uh, and because of that 40 years in the wilderness, all those above age 19 except Joshua and Caleb, yes, even Moses and Aaron died in the wilderness. Uh, Moses and Aaron, uh, or particularly Moses, God carried Moses up on a mountain and allowed him to look over into Canaan's land. Uh, but he was not allowed to enter in because he disobeyed God in, uh, in hitting the rock when he was supposed to speak to the rock. And he uh, hit it once again and, and, and God said, that's it. That, t- today was the day, Moses, when you, uh, it was necessary for you to do exactly what I told you to do, and you didn't do it. The children of Israel had found out some years before that that what they were to do was to enter in and let God fight the battles for them, and they failed to do that. And the Bible records for us here, uh, take heed, uh, So he, in verse 11, So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. They shall not enter in to my rest. They, it does not say they shall not be my children. It does not say today I have forsaken them eternally uh, because of these, these things they've done. They will not enter into my rest. Okay? And so he says, take heed, brethren. That's us. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Uh, there's blessings in belief. There's blessings for you and me in believing God's Word and believing exactly what He says is exactly what He means. Uh, there's a benefit to you and I. Uh, we can say, again, I go back to Abraham, but you go back and you look at Abraham, there was a blessing to Abraham because he believed God and he did what God called him to do. And God blessed Abraham and told Abraham, your seed is going to be as the sands of the sea and as the stars of the sky and in, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Blessings came to Abraham and blessings come to you and me in belief. So he says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily. There's something that that teaches me and should teach you. We need encouragement Daily. We need daily encouragement in our service to God. Uh, I, I, you know, it's good for me to encourage you on Sunday. Uh, it's good for me to encourage you on a, a Wednesday night or Brother Adam to encourage you on a Wednesday night. But I'll tell you, we need daily encouragement because the discourager is out there. Uh, he's constantly trying to make you feel bad. He's constantly trying to tell you your service uh, to God is not worth it. He's constantly trying to drag you down, drive you down. But we need to exhort one another daily while it, while it is t- today. So he says, exhort one another daily while it is called today, 
lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin has a way, my friends, of deceiving you and it causes your heart to become hard to the things of God. And, I, and I'm going to tell you this, and this is just uh, 60 years worth of experience, partially, uh, and the things of word, the Word of God to go with that. But I'm going to tell you, sin works like, like this many times in our lives. It's a little here and a little there, and it just chips away, and it's very deceitful. And it and and the next thing you know, you've you've moved away from the things of God, and you didn't even know you were moving away from the things of God. You it began to happen just a little, 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 and you and you you convinced your you convinced the deceitfulness of it was you convinced yourself this is really not a problem. This won't hurt anything. This is not a big deal. This is this will be okay. And in a day or two or a week or two or a month or two, suddenly you look around and you're not even anywhere near where God would have you to be. So he says, uh, don't harden your hearts for we are made partakers or participants of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. So if you want to be a participant in this thing, if you want to be a partaker of what God has for you, hold on to it. Latch on to it. Hang on to it to the end. Uh, Again, this is talking about timely blessings for you and I right here and now. If you want to be a partaker of this, then hold hold the beginning of your confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today if you will hear His voice, Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. He points back to the children of Israel and says, Remember the children of Israel. Remember what happened to them. And he tells us today that it happened because of unbelief. Right? So, so he says, uh, Harden not your hearts, uh, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke... Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? Now, I, I, I said this, I guess, in some of my some of the preaching I did on Friday, but I'll, I'll say this again. This is not saying that the the ones that died were the only sinners. Okay, they sinned a particular sin of being an adult, being a responsible person who were told what to do and didn't do it. And because of that, they felt their their carcasses fell over there in the wilderness. Those 19 and under grew up and were allowed to enter in. But God allowed them to see what happened to mama and daddy and aunt and uncle and uh, brother and sister and said, see what the consequences of unbelief are. And I'll tell you what, some of you, and, so, and me, I don't want it to be like it's just I, like I'm somewhere, somebody some, somewhere different, right? Because I'm in this thing too. You know, many times we can look around at our aunts and our uncles and our brothers and our sisters and our mamas and our daddies. And we, see, we can see many times it's good examples. Sometimes it's not so good examples. We can see those whose carcasses have failed out there in the wilderness, away from God, missing out on the blessings of God, and God has set that. Uh, you know, I, I, I used to try to do this with my children a lot of times. You know, something would happen bad uh, with, a, with a young mate at school or some kind of a, somebody had gotten in trouble over something. We'd sit down, we'd talk about it. And I'd say, see what happens when you go down this trail and down this path. 
And I'll tell you, God has given us a whole, wit, a whole host of witnesses here saying, look what happened to the children of Israel when they fell into unbelief and didn't follow after God. Okay, so I've made, I hope made the point. He says, but whom was he grieved 40 years? Was not them uh, that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness and to whom he swear that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. They were not allowed to enter in to a rest that God had for them. So for those of us that believe, uh, I, I'm, look, I'm, I'm looking at a group of believers. But what I'm, at, what I'm asking, what I would ask of you this morning, and what I think the scriptures would ask of you and, and tell you in this story is, it's possible for a believer to then turn to unbelief. And he says, look what happens when you fall over into unbelief. And not only that, you don't get to enter, you don't enter into the rest that God has for you in belief. There was a, there was a rest for the children of Israel. There was a peace. There was a, there was a, a place for them to go where God was going to give them the land. He was going to give them, and it was going to be a land that already had houses. It already had gardens. It already had vineyards. It had wells that had been dug even years ago by their, by Abraham and Jacob and others that were there. It, it was a good land. And you know why it was a good land? It was a good land because God was going to make it good for them. <laughs> That's what was going to make it good. Sometimes we look at entering in, and I, I do believe Canaan is, is an example in a, uh, for us of the church today. Sometimes we can look at the church and we can say, well, I don't see anything special over there. I don't see anything great over there. I mean, you know, what's so great about being a, being a participant and a partaker of the church? You know what's so great about it? God is there. <laughs> what, what makes what makes somebody we were talking about the other day that uh, uh, I saw uh, Elder Chase Harrison up there at the meeting, and he and I were together over in uh, uh, Georgia back a couple of weeks ago, and we were we were still talking about how good the meeting was there. And uh, and one of the other brethren came up and he says, "You know why the meeting was good?" And he said. He said, because God was there. And I said, you know what, brother? You're right. That's what made it good was God was there. And God had told them, I will give you the land. I will make it good. I will bless it with, uh, with gardens and food and all these melons you missed back over in Egypt and, uh, and flesh pots. And I'll give it to you, but I'm going to give it to you in Canaan's land. That's where the blessing is. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us, of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. God doesn't want us to come short of entering into his rest. You know, the Bible, and he goes on and gives the example here. Uh, God labored six days, but on the seventh day he rested. Uh, he, he rested, why? Uh, not because he was tired. Uh, God, didn't, God didn't rest on the seventh day because he was tired. God rested on the seventh day because his labor had been completed. And God has a place for you and I to enter into. We've labored, we might labor all week long. We might struggle out here in the world all week long. But there's a place you and I can enter into where there's a rest for you and me. There's a place where we can come here and, 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 and not be uh, worried about all the problems of life. We can look at the book. We can read the end of the book and we can know God wins. 
uh, Jesus Christ wins, Christ is victorious, all these things are going on around us will be defeated, uh, and, and we can have a, a peace of mind and comfort. And I'll tell you, when you believe the truth of God about salvation, you can rest from the fact that you don't have to do one more thing. I don't have to do one more uh, prayer. I don't have to do one more uh, uh, um. I don't have to do one more thing. I can rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and and when I say that, I'm not mean you sit down and you don't do nothing, okay? I, uh, sometimes you say you make comments like a pr- dumb old preacher like me will make a comment like that, you know, and you say, well, uh, Brother Charles saying uh, we don't have to do nothing. No, I'm telling you, you've got plenty to do. Uh, but you know what? There's a place here where you can enter in and rest. There's a place where you can enter in here and rest from your labors. <coughs> so he says, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. Uh, and and I, you know, I'll just say this, okay? I mean, and I know I'm, I'm looking at a bunch of folks, most folks here this morning, you know, you're, you're part of the church or close to the church or something like that. But I, I'm going to tell you, there's a day to enter into his rest. Tomorrow you might... Might not be the day. Might not be the time. <laughs> it might not be God's time. Uh, I, I can think of people. I, I I could call names. That wouldn't be profitable. Uh, but you you and I both know people that were tug, that were tugged at the heart to join the church and resisted it. I've seen I've seen people latch on to the back of the bench in front of them with their hands till their till their knuckles turn purple to keep from walking up and doing what God was calling them to do. And, and some of those folks are still not part of the church today. I've seen the church hurt people with comments and things. And people turn away and, and, uh, and, 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 ne- and never get back to the place they needed to get back to in their service to God. So there's, there's caution on every side. But he says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The Bible does not say that they did not have faith. Right. It says they didn't use their faith to believe God that day. Uh, there, there, and so that the admonition to you and I is this: Do you know how you know how we believe God's word by faith? You and I believe God's word, His promises by faith. Uh, we don't see everything. You know how how I believe that God created the, uh, the heavens and the earth and all things that exist. I believe it by faith, and because I believe God's word. Uh, you know how I believe uh, that Jesus Christ is going to come back again one of these days. Uh, I believe it by faith uh, uh, because God's word says so, uh, and in accordance with God's word, in agreement with God's word, I believe what God has told us. Uh, so He says, "For unto us was the gospel preached as well." is unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have which have believed do enter into rest. The way you enter into this rest. You say, well, I don't understand this rest, Brother Charles. Uh, I'm not telling you. I can, I can uh, teach it to you in a way that you can understand it. I can just tell you by faith to believe that when you believe God, you can enter into a rest that you won't have any other way. The children of Israel didn't enter into Canaan's land because of unbelief. You and I, and there was a rest that God had over there for them.
You and I don't enter into rest because sometimes our unbelief. He wants us to believe him like Abraham. He wants us to believe the impossible. He wants us to believe the fantastic, if you allow me to say it that way. Uh, How impossible was it for Abraham to believe that him and his 90-year-old wife were going to have a child? But you know why he believed it? Because God said so. And I'll tell you, the reason you and I need to believe some of the things that, uh, that we need to be believing today is because God has said it. Uh, so he says, well, for we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, I, I, as I have sworn in my wrath, ye shall, uh, they shall not enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundations of the world. There, there's a work that God has totally finished. It's been finished in us in the mind and the purpose of God. It was from before the foundation of the world ever was. God chose a people in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. They were placed in Christ. Christ came and died for them and saved them and redeemed them on the cross. And the and the purpose of that, my friends, has been finished. And, and as far as God was concerned, why? Because God said so. God, that was what God purposed. That's what God intended to do. And because God purposed and intended to do, it's as good as done. And he says, for we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I, as I have sworn in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place on the seventh day and on this wise, and God did rest on the seventh day from all his works. God had said, let there be sun, let there be moon, let there be stars, let there be plants, let there be animals, let there, let there be a man, let there be a woman. And then God sat down in a sense and rested because the work that he had set out to do was finished. And I'll tell you, we see Jesus Christ, the Bible says, seated on the right hand of the throne of God. Why is he seated on the right hand of the throne of God? Because his work is done. Uh, And you and I can enter into that rest. How? By belief. Belief gives you and I a rest from our labors. For he spake in a certain place that on the seventh day he rested. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that uh, some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. Some will enter in, and some did enter into Canaan's land, uh, but some did not enter in. The reason they didn't enter in was because of unbelief. And again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, talking about in the Psalms, today after so long a time, as it is said, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, for if Jesus had given them given them rest, then would not he... Uh, and that Jesus is talking about Joshua. Uh, there's translated, it says, uh, G- Joshua and Jesus are almost the same Hebrew name. So he says, uh, for if Joshua, Jesus, had given them rest, then would he have not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore rest to the people of God. There is still remaining a rest for us today in belief, okay? <clears throat> for he that has entered into his rest hath also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor to enter in to that rest. If you, it, it takes, uh, if you want to enter, enter into this rest that God has us, for us through belief, some, you've got to do a little something yourself. 
You've got to believe. You've got to read God's Word. You've got to believe God's Word. There takes a little labor for me and you. Do you know why you can enter into a rest here on Sunday morning? Maybe you've made some preparations during the course of the week and you've worked and prepared. Now you can enter into the rest that God has through His Word. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God. What word of God? Listen. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. That word of God, I believe, that's... uh, quick and more powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword and able to divide asunder of joints and marrow and bone and all those things and none other than the living word of God, Jesus Christ. That is the word. This written word, it can be convicting to our hearts, but it's not a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. Jesus Christ is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. Uh, who can divide asunder? Brother Adam and Sister, Sister Loretta and some, uh, Sister Emily and some of the other n- nursing folks in here. This thing is so sharp it can divide asunder marrow and bone. I can't even think like that. Uh, I know there's people that give bone marrow transplants. You know, that started back a number of years ago, trying to help people with cancer. Able to divide asunder marrow and bone? Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God knows everything. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession <clears throat> now i'm and, and again maybe this will be for another day and another time it'll be at least a couple weeks or more before we get back to this because i'm gonna be gone for a few weeks and we'll tell you all about that when we when we dismiss but he says uh seeing then that we have a great high priest uh that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us, let us hold fast our profession the apostle paul is now going to take the next uh, however many chapters of this book. And the way he's going to dress, I started back, I said a few weeks ago, talking about atonement, how the prior priest went in and made atonement for the people every year. The argument that the, uh, the writer of this book is going to use, uh, besides addressing the children of Israel in their unbelief for not entering into Canaan's land, now he's going to take the, take the point of saying... Uh, you know, you've, you've studied all your life. You've done your temple worship all your life, brethren. And you've, you've constantly thought about this high priest that goes in and makes atonement. You've seen that example year after year. Now I'm going to tell you about the great high priest. I'm going to tell you about the high priest that's above all high priest. He's not of the order of Aaron. He's not of the order of Levi. He came out of the tribe of Judah, of which there is no speaking of a, of a priest coming out of the tribe of Judah. But he's not a high priest uh, after the Aaronic order or the Levitical order. He's a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And if you've read your scriptures, uh, Jewish brethren, you would know there's a priesthood spoken of back there. And you remember that one who was so great that even our father Abraham came and paid homage to him by offering tithes to him in that day. Now, you say, well, Brother Charles, why did you mention all that? It was necessary for Paul to lay the foundation of unbelief 
and the rest they could enter into through belief. Then he wanted to tell them about this great high priest that came. Jesus, the Son of God, who came and died, who offered up blood for his people. And, and, and to take away their argument, this is, well, he couldn't be a priest. He wasn't a Levite. He didn't come after, he, didn't, he wasn't after Aaron. He wasn't after Levitical priesthood. He said, yeah, but there's another priesthood that's talked about in the scriptures. And it's talked about the Levitical, uh, the Melchizedek priesthood, who was a king and a priest, who was so great that even our father Abraham went and paid tithes to him. Now, so uh, he's, char- he's charging them in this thing. Do you believe? Do you believe there's a rest to be entered into if you believe? Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 11, y'all, y'all are going to shoot me. Uh, Hebrews 11 goes on and talks and gives a great honor roll of men of faith. You know what their, what their testimony was? They believed, they believed God. They believed God's word. And they looked forward to a day that they never got to see. You and I are living today looking back to a day that we didn't see and by faith believing it, but looking forward to a day that we have not seen, that we believe to be true because we believe God's Word. Wow. Uh, the, the writer was just so great in bringing out these things, and I hope we can continue to dig into them uh, as, we, as we go forward. And may God bless you in this coming week uh, to think about this great high priest that we had. Consider Jesus Christ, the high priest of our lives. May God bless you, our prayer.